music that you have every week, give them a hand. Will you do it? Oh, you're welcome, Sam. I can get you a job about $75 a week if you want it. All right. <laughs> Let me say that uh, we are absolutely blessed and thrilled to be back with you again. This feels like home. Every time we come, we feel such a beautiful welcome, and we love the Spirit of, of the Lord that rests in this place, the anointing of the Holy Ghost that's always present to help us to enter into that atmosphere that we all need. Isn't it great that we can come week after week and we never leave disappointed? Amen. Do like this right here. That's <laughs> it's amazing how the Lord knows what we need even before we ask. But what a joy to be able to ask. Amen. Whether it's kneeling at an altar or standing on your feet praising the Lord. Or singing the songs like we've been singing it. And uh, I, I love to hear this congregation sing. I'm looking forward to the, the revival coming up the last of March. And uh, every, every one that I've been able to to attend has always been a great blessing. We are just so, so blessed, aren't we? Now, I know most of us are happy. Some hadn't let their face know about it yet, but I want us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, just a little thought here I want to leave with you. There's, there's a, a familiar atmosphere this morning. And this, this particular theme of praise and gratitude and thankfulness we don't just designate that for once a year around Thanksgiving to say thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. We try to live a life of gratitude, don't we? We enter in his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We're thankful we bless his name. For the Lord is good. All the time. I heard something funny about a couple of retired preachers. They uh, were really just unable physically to go out and evangelize or pastor. So the two of them got together and said, why don't we just throw our support in 
with this young pastor who's preaching over here at this church. Seems to be doing a good job loving the people. And we can just throw our influence in there and do the best we can. So uh, they were sitting right there on the front row enjoying the message. And, and one of them just was really feeling it. And he got so bold on one statement that the pastor said, he just hollered out, Amen, the Lord is good. And his buddy poked him in the rib and said, Shut your mouth. He's better than that. <laughs> and that's kind of the way I feel. Good's just not a good enough word. I think I've got a congregation that feels the same way this morning. Uh, it's not just an exercise to get up here and praise the Lord or stand on the floor with hands lifted. That's not just an exercise or a formality or a habit that we've gotten into as full gospel worshipers. It is a lifestyle. I catch myself going through the day saying, Lord, you're good. God is so good. Amen. And his mercy endureth. Hallelujah. This is a beautiful verse of scripture here. It's very simple, and, and we're not careful. We superficially read over this, but I, I want it to sink in this morning. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Unspeakable gift. Now, I'm sure Paul is referring to a gift from God that cannot be expressed in any manner. I love the writing of Andre Crouch when he said, how can I say thanks for all the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you give to prove your love to me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am or ever will be, I owe it all to you. To God be the glory. Or can I say it again? To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable or indescribable gift. Now, I would dare say there's not a preacher in the house that's worth his or her salt if they couldn't take that scripture and preach all day on it. So there's a lot of things I could say and time will not afford me to say. So whatever I don't say, go home and say it. <laughs> Just feel free. Amen. This gift, this 
unspeakable, this indescribable gift. We all know what this gift is. And still it's a gift that goes beyond words and it goes beyond our comprehension. Now, I have come to discover there are four tests, four different tests that can be applied to any gift. First of all, it's motive, the motive for a gift. Secondly, it's intrinsic value. Thirdly, it's uniqueness. And number four, it's usefulness. So those are four tests that can be applied to any gift. If we look at the motive of a gift, whether we want to admit it or not, every gift has a motive. And there are factors that motivate us to give. There are reciprocal gifts, gifts that we give to people because they've given to us. So those are reciprocal gifts. And there are policy gifts. If you've been in business uh, or been in the corporate world any length of time, you know that people give gifts uh, to others that are useful to them in some way, whether in business or to advance their their career in some way. Those are, 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 are gifts that help them climb the ladder. Then there are manipulative gifts, gifts that are given so that you might have influence over someone or perhaps manipulate them in some way. Those type of gifts are given all the time. But what we're talking about here today is none of those things. It's this motivation, the, the motivation of love. Amen? Given out of the motivation of love. For the scripture says that the love gifts are the ones that never end. Isn't that what God gives us? That's what he gives us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't it clear to all of us today that God wasn't giving his son so that he could get something in return? And he wasn't giving because it was good for heaven's business. And he wasn't giving because he would gain some kind of control over us or to be able to manipulate us in some way. But God gave in spite of the fact that some would reject his gift. There's a little passage in First John, the third chapter, verse one. It says, behold, what manner of love, manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now this, this phrase, manner of love, metaphorically means to place an exotic plant in a hostile environment. In other words, it'd be like taking a palm tree and planting, planting it in the North Pole and expecting to survive. 
you, you just wouldn't do that with the expectation of survival. But isn't that exactly what God did for us? Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Let me talk about the intrinsic value of a gift. Intrinsic value is an ethical or philosophic property. It is the ethical or philosophic value that an object has in itself or of its own or for its own sake. Self-contained. It has an intrinsic property. An object with intrinsic value can be regarded as an end or end in itself. It is whole. It is complete. Now where we stood in our relationship with God was not a very good standing place. Sin had bankrupted mankind. It cost us everything. In the ledger of heaven, we owed a debt that was so large we couldn't pay it. The fact was and is that we have nothing of great value, nothing of great enough value to balance the books in heaven. Everything, think about this, everything that man had been given in the garden had tremendous intrinsic value. How do you measure the value of a pure heart and a pure mind? But isn't that what Adam and Eve had in the garden? How do you measure the intrinsic value of an unstained conscience or a paradise for a home? How do you measure the, va the value of a, a perpetual provision that Adam and Eve had in the garden or guaranteed happiness or the fullness of joy? How do you measure the value of daily fellowship with God? or perfect relationship with your companion? How do you measure the value of perfect health? No sickness, no disease, no poverty, no lack of any kind, no worries, no concerns, no cares, no taxes. <laughs> perfect people in a perfect world. But it all ended when sin entered and death by sin. Adam and Eve traded all the gifts that God had given them with all of its intrinsic value for a bite of forbidden fruit. They gave it all up for a lie of the devil. And from that moment, mankind plunged into debt that he could never pay his way out of. And what did mankind have of any worth that would ever measure up to what he had been given by his creator? Now, instead of the wages of a perfect world and eternal life, man was paid with another wage. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But the good news of the gospel is the rest of that verse. 
but the gift of God. Oh, come on now. Is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. There's a little poem written by a fellow by the name of Roy Lesson. And he says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. Hallelujah. Isn't that exactly what we needed? An end-all, be-all gift that would balance the ledger of heaven once and for all. And that gift was sent from heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Father. How many have praise for him today in this house? I often wonder when I read the lyrics written by my friend Rusty Goodman. I wonder if that is what that thought was on his mind when he wrote the lyric, just suppose God searched through heaven and couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was needed to buy eternal life for you and me. Had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for an old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Christ Jesus, then forever my soul would be lost. Hallelujah. Think about it. Someone who paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. Think about what he's done. Someone who took the list of sins that were numbered against us and nailed it to his cross. Someone who would deal with the sin issue once and for all. Someone who would defeat Satan on his own territory. Someone who would kill the killer. Someone who would defeat death and conquer the grave and give us the keys to the kingdom of God. Someone who would grant us the power of attorney to use his name. Someone who would baptize us with the power of the Spirit. Someone who would clothe us in righteousness and who would wash us clean by his own blood. Someone who promised not to leave us orphaned, but he would go with us even to the very end of the age. Someone who promised to send us a comforter that would lead us to all truth. Someone who died to redeem us and was buried so he could carry our sin away. Who rose again to justify us and who's gone to prepare a place that where he is, there we may be also. And someone who will come again to receive us unto himself. Hallelujah. God gave us a gift with the greatest intrinsic value in Jesus Christ. You don't need anything but Jesus. Some people think, well, I can't make it without church membership. Church membership's great, but that's not going to save you. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I got to have 
baptism. Well, baptism is, is one of the great ordinances of the church. Thank God for it. And we're urged to follow the Lord in baptism, but that's not the same as salvation. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's not Jesus plus good behavior. It's not Jesus plus giving our tithes and offerings. It's not Jesus plus this and that. My friend, it's Jesus, and that's all we need. And that's the great gift. That's the indescribable gift that's come from heaven. Hallelujah. Let me talk about the uniqueness of this gift for just a moment. Part of the uniqueness of the gift of God in Christ Jesus is its intrinsic value. His intrinsic value cannot be measured. He is so valuable that everything Adam lost in the fall, we gained back and more through Jesus Christ our Savior. Oh, that make you want to shout this morning, doesn't it? Isn't he the pearl of great price in his matchless beauty and worth? Isn't he the lily of the valley in his rich fragrance? Isn't he the rose of Sharon in his abundant perfume? Isn't he the bright and morning star in his diamond brilliance? He is so unique. He is the cornerstone of this in every Bible preaching church. He is the desire of every nation and the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's the great high priest. He's the holy son of God. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. He is the wonderful counselor. He's the wonderful lamb of God. He's the savior of all mankind. Just think of all he is and think of all he does. <laughs> Hallelujah. He reconciles and he redeems. He comforts and he carries he lifts and he loves. He is the God of the second chance and the last chance and the slim chance and the fast chance and the no chance. Hallelujah. That's the Savior I'm talking about. He is the one that's cleansed our sins and removed our guilt and broke our habits and dissolved our anger and uprooted our bitterness and filled our emptiness with, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. How many have a praise for him today? He is incomprehensible, inescapable, invincible, irresistible, irrefutable. He had no predecessor and he'll have no successor. That's the Jesus I love and serve. Some call him the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. Some call him the king of Israel. That's a national king. Some call him the king of righteousness. That's a moral king. Call him the king of the ages. That's an eternal king. Some call him the king of heaven. That's, an, that's a universal king. And others call him the king of glory. That's a celestial king. Well, we're here today shouting his praise because we call him the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one that washed our sin away. He's the one that submerged us into the fountain that filled with blood that removes sin, that efficacious blood that will always produce the desired result. That's why we're here today. Let me talk about the usefulness of this indescribable gift. 
How many in this room has ever received a gift that you didn't know what you were going to do with? <laughs> I've seen a few like that. I was watching an old television show. It's been a while back. It was George Burns and Gracie Allen. And Gracie had bought him a Christmas present. And she was showing it to her next door neighbor. And her next, next door neighbor picked it up. And it wasn't anything but a box with two buttons on it. And she kept pushing both of those buttons and nothing happened. And she asked Gracie what it was. Gracie said, I don't know, but they only had one left. <laughs> so I'm sure George didn't know what to do with that gift when he got it. But God's gift has been tested throughout the centuries. Amen. And how well we know the usefulness of the gift from heaven. How many has put him to the test? Amen. Christ satisfies the hunger of the human heart. Where would we be without knowing Jesus? How many remember the moment you knelt at that altar and your world changed? Amen. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you know this, this wonderful gift from heaven by his uh, revelation? Thank God. This revelation of love, this revelation of understanding, this revelation of salvation drove polytheism from the world because Jesus Christ revealed his heavenly father. By his incarnation, he cut the taproot of idolatry. People realized these idols of wood and stone uh, couldn't hear and couldn't see and couldn't speak. But the God of Israel could do a lot of things. Amen. The life and teachings of Jesus Christ became the standard for truth and right. He's the inspiration for every heart that fights for purity. He is the great captain in the conflict for righteousness. In, in the stormy nights of overwhelming sorrow. In the dreary days of prolonged illnesses. In the hushed hour of death. It's Christ who brings us the victory. Hallelujah. And with him we can do all things. Because he is that rock in a weary land. He's that shelter in the time of storm. How many knows what I'm talking about? He's the light at the end of the tunnel. And he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He's our sword and our shield. He's our strength and the lifter of our head. He gives us strength when we're weak. He gives us rest when we're weary. He gives us joy when we're downcast. And he gives us a hope that lasts forever. It doesn't matter how hard and how hot the flames of hell get. We know we have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. When we were buried in the miry clay, he pulled us out and placed us on a solid rock. 
when we were groping in darkness, he found us and placed us in marvelous light. When we were lost and undone, I love the old song that says he reached way down his hand for me. When we were dead in trespasses and sin, he brought us eternal life. When we were paralyzed with worry, he gave us a peace that passes all understanding. When we're hungry, he's the bread of life. When we're thirsty, he's the living water. When we're lonely, he's a friend that will never leave us. When we're sad, he's our joy. When we're lost, he leads the way. When we don't understand, he gives us wisdom. When we grieve, he brings us comfort. When we feel hopeless, he fills us with his hope. When we're empty, he fills us to the brim. No wonder David said, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, he's the greatest gift ever given, which makes him the greatest story ever told. Aren't you glad you know him today? Aren't you glad there's not anything too hard for the Lord? Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me. Could you just lift your hands in the air and give the Lord some praise? Just thank him for his gift 